Okay, so we have a guest speaker uh, this morning. Tony, come on up. So uh, let me tell you a little bit something about Tony. Uh, he traveled a long ways this morning to get here. Probably wasn't this morning, but he traveled about 1,100 kilometers to get here this morning, all the way from Fort St. John. Tony is lead pastor up in the church there. I'll, get, I'll let you describe a bit about that yourself. But uh, not only is he a lead pastor, what means more to us is he's Levi's dad. For years, Levi probably got the, oh, you're Tony's son. So now it's reversed. You are Levi's dad here, and that is it. So God bless you. That is, that's actually totally true. I actually get that now all the time. I'm Le- you're, you're Levi's dad. No, I'm like, he's my son. I get this straight. Um, it's super cool to be here. Sarah, my wife Sarah is here on the front row as well. Sarah, why don't you just wave your hand? There you go. And... Um, we're, we're down here for a few days to actually hang out at Whistler. So they actually are starting to hang out here with a few pastors in the area um, as well as your illustrious president. Mr. Demchuk? Do you call him Mr. Demchuk or Dave? I don't know. How you... Oh, perfect. Good. Okay. Um, yeah, I think he's up there actually. So we're going to be hanging out. It'll be, it'll be lots of fun. And uh, Haley's here as well. If you guys know Haley, she's part of our church back home. So it's good to see Haley again. And, yeah, it's super cool. We, Sarah and I actually went to school here back a long, long, long time ago. And um, so we know this place intimately. It hasn't changed. This part of it hasn't changed a ton. The tech has changed considerably. I think we had overhead projectors back then. Those, those weird devices kind of look like something kind of out of short circuit, if you guys know the movie or whatever. <laughs> But I, I just remember how awesome the basement here is for making out. That's, that's basically my biggest memory. I kid you not, man. There's some awesome makeup places. You don't do that anymore? Okay. And, uh, and, in, and there's some really nice areas below the main offices, too, I'll tell you that. Um, So, how much time do I have? Like, do I have like 30 minutes or so-ish? Okay. Um, I, I actually, this is really kind of crazy that, that being with you guys coincides with this. I just finished a book. And, um, and no, I, I'm, I'm serious. I just, I had it sent to my brother. My brother's here actually as well. Where's Rich? Rich is in the back. And he passes a church with the CTK network in in Washington, so at Ferndale, and he's here with his partner in crime, Eric. Super stoked you guys are here. And uh, so I had this sent, because I published through Amazon, self-published through Amazon, and so I had it sent to Rich, and he brought it. So I literally just picked it up, but this is the cover here. And this is actually a proof copy, so I have to kind of take a look at it, and if everything looks right, then, I, then, we, then we actually publish. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. The book is called Boondock Church, and I wrote it from just kind of years of being in, in small town Canada. We, we're in Fort St. John, which just to make it really clear to everybody, we are not far north, okay? Like just, yeah, I'm, I'm, this is my campaign. Anytime I come down to district stuff or hang out with the district officers or whatever, I'm like, we are not far north. We're like, we're like northeast, but we're not far north. Um, it goes way further north than us. I don't know if you know how big our nation is, but it's massive. And we are actually considered south, far south to some people. Um, 
And so I wrote this book kind of with the idea of there's a lot of stuff, there seems to be a lot of stuff on the bookshelves that's about, that, that kind of comes out of the city and is, is written by city pastors and mega church environments. And I thought there needs to be something about the rural church and not the small church necessarily. There's a few things out there about the small church, but about the small town church and how, and how that works. You may not know this, but 7 million people in Canada live in towns under 1,000 in population. I'll say that again. And we're not that big of a name. I mean, like, there's like 35 or something million people in all of Canada. Well, 7 million people live in towns under 1,000. And only 4 out of 10 live in the top 10 biggest cities. In that number is included Kitchener, Ontario, which I think is kind of funny. But um, So we are really, I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff going on in, the small, in small town Canada. When I, when I say small, I consider Fort St. John small town, even though... It's kind of moving. Actually, by Canadian definitions, we're urban at 25,000 people. Actually, by Canadian definitions, if you're in a town over, with over 1,000 people, you're considered urban. So just turn to your neighbor and say, I'm an urbanite. Because every one of you in the room are. I think it's pretty crazy that that's how we measure it. Um, because most other countries use a metric around 50,000. A 50,000 population pushes you into urban bliss, but not in Canada. If you're, if, if, you're in, if you're in the sticks, there's a thousand people in your town, you're considered urban, man. Get over it. Okay. Um, no, you don't have a movie theater. No, you don't have a shopping mall. No, you don't have an A&W, but you're urban. Okay. So I, I just kind of wrote something kind of moving in, in that direction. So maybe that'll be something you're interested in reading at some point. I feel like a speaker at a conference. It's like, here's my book. You can pick it up at the back, signed autographed copies. Um, I don't have any. I just have a couple copies and they're all I, I might give one to Dave. I might. I'm still thinking about it. I plan on having a personal conversation with him just to go, hey, so here's... Because I'm kind of a little bit out of the box in the book. And anyways, not that I felt that. Um, okay, I was thinking about what I could share with you guys. Man, there's a lot of things that I think I, I would love to talk on that are, that are... I just don't have enough time. But, but one of them is you should consider... You should consider when you get out of school, going into some small town environment, for sure. And I know in our, in our, in our sort of our setup, in our system, the way that you kind of get into ministry after you graduate is to think about youth pastoring and things like that. There's nothing wrong with that. If that's how you feel called and where you feel God's calling you to leave or go. But I think there's some crazy opportunities to step into a small town context and actually just take the, take the bull by the horns, be the guy, and learn on an epic level. And so... There's so many cool opportunities out there in small town in small town Canada and in small town BC. There is for sure. We have been a part of district leadership um, teams over the past, and it always seems like there's about ten to fifteen churches we just can't get guys to go to. One of those churches is in a little place called Bella Bella, and I, I know I know personally know professionals that get paid massive amounts of money to go work in Bella Bella. It is a crazy place to land. And you can go there and land there for a few years as a pastor. Wouldn't that be cool? And if you have a little bit of capital, a little bit of money saved up for about 200 grand, you could actually buy your own island in Bella Bella. Like I'm talking, there's opportunities here <laughs> that you would not even believe. They're mind-blowing. Um, and just do it for a couple of years until you go insane. All right. I want to I talk out of 2, Corinthians, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5 to 7. I've never, I've never preached this before. I just was kind of, I had a few kind of thoughts rolling around my head. I thought it would kind of be fun to talk about, and I think there's some things that could be really relevant. 
to you and your context and where you're at, and maybe that I could kind of speak into your life. Second um, Peter chapter one verse five says this, and you'll you'll recognize it. It says, "Make every effort to add to your faith." Come on, you guys must know this passage. Make every, make every effort to add to your faith virtue. ESV, come on. Get with it, guys. Make every effort to add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control steadfastness and to steadfastness godliness and to godliness brotherly affection and to brotherly affection love it's three verses and um i have always had a hard time getting that order right memorized this a while ago and actually i gotta tell you it was only today that this morning i that i finally got it straightened out in my head because i started to see some things it's really helpful when you're reading scripture to really get it into you when you start to see some things in it so Paul or Peter is saying, make every effort to add to your faith virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, steadfastness, to steadfastness, godliness, to godliness, brotherly affection. I always love the brotherly affection one because I'm just curious as to what that means. And if you think of that and go like, what does brotherly affection look like? Because it's different than love. He differentiates between the two. So I think brotherly affection looks like what does affection look like? Maybe, maybe it's physical contact. Maybe it's a holy kiss. I don't know. But there's something in his mind. He says brotherly affection differentiates it from love. But the way this starts is um, with faith. Make every effort to supplement your faith. You cannot live on supplements. Just a thought. You know what a supplement is if you've ever worked out? It's those little pills that come in a bottle. This is a supplement. This is a vitamin C supplement. This is a selenium supplement. This is a whatever supplement. You are not intended to live off supplements. Which means when Paul is making, a, or Peter's, it's Peter. When he, it's found in the book of Peter. I think Peter wrote the book of Peter. And when he's making this list, he starts with faith. And, and, he's, and he's not, He's not going, there's a bunch of extra things here that are as important. He's, ma- he's making a, a statement here that all these other things are supplements to faith. And when I, I think about faith, I think of, um, well, you can read a little bit further up in that chapter. And it's, it, talks about, it talks about growing in our, our knowledge of Christ. In the NLT, it says grow in knowing who Christ is or something along those lines. And at the, at, the, at the basic level here, Peter is saying uh, what faith is, is intrinsically, inseparably connected from your personal relationship with Jesus. And he's going to say, we start with that point. We start with this point in our, in our journey of faith. And, and that, might seem like, that might seem like a really basic thing, but it's not. It's really easy to move away from that. And he's making it clear this is a supplement. And so, the first thing we start with, we're going to supplement our faith with virtue. Does anybody have any idea what virtue is, or other translations might say something different? One of the translations I came across just this morning, just kind of looking at you version and, and pulled up, I think it was the NLT again, says, um, a life of moral excellence. So, there are two massive things going on here already, man. There's, there's so much here, I, I, we can't even hardly move past. It is, um, Peter's saying, 
Here's how it works. First thing, you got to stay connected to Jesus. This is your faith. This is, the, this is the basic, basic thing. Without it, you're dead in the water. Everything else is supplements to your faith. It reminds me of John chapter 15 where Jesus says, Abide in me and I in you. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I, I had to tell you, like five years ago, I took a sabbatical. We had just moved into a project. We just um, renovated the largest retail space in our downtown core, moved our church into it. And um, we were in a, a growing season in our church, and, and I, I, I decided, actually, I was, I was hanging out with Ken Russell, our superintendent. After five minutes, he was picking up some kind of chemical reaction that was coming off of me. I don't know what I was putting off, but he's like, you need to take a sabbatical, and quick. I took a sabbatical in 2015, and I remember being on a, on a small little hill. I actually took my journal, my Bible. I took some worship music, had headphones, went up there, and I'm going to spend some time with Jesus up there, and I up, went up there, and I sat down. The wind was blowing. It was down in the Okanagan area. I still remember just, it was almost like a kind of a haunting kind of moment for me as I realized I'm hanging out with somebody that I don't really know. And you can get totally lost in the, the gears of ministry and all this stuff and actually have no relationship with Jesus. I actually think this is a phenomenon that's coming into our worship as well. You can be in a setting like this and loving on Jesus, but it's, but it's the, the same intimate transaction that's happening is, is the, same intimate, uh, the same kind of interaction you would have at a Coldplay concert. Where you're fully engaged, man. You're loving the music. I've never been to a Coldplay concert, but my son-in-law and daughter were recently, and you're just like engaged, but there's still a separation and a distance. This is alarming and needs to be something that we continually push into. And so for me as a pastor, after 27 years, this is as pertinent an issue for me as ever, staying connected to Jesus. Faith. Paul says supplement faith with virtue. And the second, probably the biggest piece for me as a pastor and for you as you, as you pursue God and as you maybe eventually pursue some kind of a ministry calling or vocation or whatever, is going to be you have to be growing in character. You cannot stay the same. I cannot stay the same as I am today. In five years, I have to have changed a little bit. And Paul is saying here, okay, you have a relationship with Jesus. You're staying tied in. You're abiding in the vine. You're connecting. Now grow in virtue. Sup- make every effort, actually, to supplement your faith now with virtue, which means this, it doesn't happen automatically. Or he wouldn't say supplement. A lot of, a lot of people erroneously think that when you connect to Jesus, you start to change. You do not. I've seen in my time as a pastor the most heathen type, vile, ungodly things come from people that look like they're connecting to Jesus. I actually, first church I ever pastored, I went, they love Jesus so much, they're surely going to want to come on mission, on the Jesus mission, and reach out to their, you know, anyways, enough said. The opposite was true. It was the worst hell we've ever gone through, up to that point. <laughs> anyways, read between the lines. If you want faith, virtue, we're growing in character, we're we're coming like Jesus, this is hard work, this is the work of sanctification, this is the work of putting off the simple nature, putting on. Colossians 3 talks a lot about that. And then, supplement, because this is an an order of things here, supplement, virtue with knowledge. I think that's particularly pertinent to you guys, don't you think? You're in school. The crazy thing is here is that both faith and character, you haven't gotten smart yet. This, the knowledge is coming. 
that your relationship with Jesus and your growing character have nothing to do with knowledge quite yet. I think it's profound. And again, I'm just processing this. This is new, the new stuff to me as I'm kind of piecing this together. And I'm like, that's really interesting that Paul says supplement faith, your connection with Jesus, is not about knowing stuff. In fact, knowing stuff can be a tripping, can be a tripping uh, stone. It can be a tripping hazard as you're coming into things. That's why children sometimes fall into faith so easily. But then the growing in godliness also has nothing to do with learning more stuff and reading more books. I think it has everything to do with staying connected to Jesus. So faith, supplement it with virtue, supplement, it, supplement virtue with knowledge, and we're adding these things in. And, and, and the, on the flip side of that, knowledge is a good thing. And Paul actually says, make every effort to add to yourself, add knowledge. So you walk with God, learn what that's all about. Growing in holiness, learn what that's all about. Learn why, why, um, why, why sexual, uh, this, the, whole, the whole gift of sexuality is posited right into a relationship between a man and a woman committed to a life to them part. Like, yeah, learn that. And just so you know, with all of the stuff that's going on with the sexual revolution, you should learn that. And it's not enough anymore to say the Bible says. You got to be able to talk that through. Not just from a biblical perspective, but from a science perspective. So Paul is saying, supplement, make every effort to supplement your, your faith with virtue and, your, and virtue growing and moral excellence and character. Supplement that with knowledge. And then does he stop with knowledge? No. No, he doesn't. He doesn't stop with knowledge. He throws two in here back to back that I think are really interesting. He says, supplement knowledge with self-control. And self-control with steadfastness or perseverance. If there's one thing I could say to you guys right now, it's that your learning doesn't stop when you graduate from here. It doesn't. And thinking that you're finished, and I, I see the proverbial high fives on Mount Everest at the very top. Boom, yeah, we did it. <laughs> high fives. Most guys that climb Mount Everest know that most of them get taken out after they reach the summit. Nobody gets, most people die on Everest going down. Not on the way up. And your process of learning is actually going to continue out of here. In fact, it's going to get maybe a hell of a lot tougher. So much tougher in some ways. And, and so Paul, or Peter, Tony, get your stuff together. Supplement faith with virtue, virtue with, with knowledge, and then he goes, and the journey doesn't stop here because now you're going to learn the, the rigors of self-control and steadfastness and perseverance. And these things become teachers and professors in your life. They're going to instruct you and take you further up and further in. That, that maybe, maybe comes shocking to you. I don't know. I find myself right now in, in some of the craziest learning curves of my life. Um, Levi was telling me that you're in a series on the promises of God. Is that true? So he's like, Dad, can you talk about the promises? And I'm like, the only promise that's coming to my mind right now is 2 Corinthians 4.8, where Paul promises that you will be absolutely confused and perplexed. I'm serious. Like, like on a really, 
like, like it hit me anew. Like we just, we've, we've walked through a crazy season in our local church. Um, it's been good, but there's been just, it's been the summer from hell for sure. Um, three weeks ago, we have a pastor on a staff team who they had a baby three, uh, 28 weeks. So they've been down here actually for the whole journey. Have a baby early at 28 weeks. Eleni was right from the very beginning. It was a tough go. Our whole church, man, we prayed. We prayed. I don't think we've ever prayed for anything as hard as we prayed for little Eleni, for her lungs to start working and all of this. And we just prayed and we had people prophesying and we were speaking life over her and we were pulling out all the stops and she died two weeks ago. And I just happened across that verse. I'm like, thank you, God, for that insight. We are knocked down, you know. It wasn't Smash Mouth that came up with that idea. Get knocked down, then I get up again. That's actually Paul's stuff. And, and, he, and, and, he, goes, and he goes, you're going to be perplexed and confused. You will be perplexed and confused. A lot of times we think that that's not spiritual and it means something about us that's not good. We're not in the right spot. We're not connected to Jesus. We're not where we should be. Paul says, I am perplexed and confused. I remember standing up before our church. That the Sunday after, and I knew we we're going to have to kind of do a U-turn here. I can't pull out an old sermon. I can't do what I was going to do. We have, we have to U-turn on this and deal with this. And I just stood up. I got up for them. I just said, guys, I don't know what else to say. Second Corinthians four eight. I have no idea what the heck is going on here. We prayed. God answers prayer. God heals. God is good. God is faithful. I know all that, but I'm absolutely confused. It's kind of like, hmm, right? Levi and I were watching this before he left. Our, our viewing patterns have changed since Levi's been gone, and we, ha- we, very, we watch very little extreme sports stuff on YouTube anymore, but they're all still on our YouTube channel, so it's like, oh, yeah, we used to watch this stuff with Levi. Any, anyways, uh, mountain biking, and they ha- there was one thing we were watching one time, and, and they talked about with the whole mountain biking phenomenon, and these guys, these crazy guys mountain biking down hills, they said one of the things you have to do is practice wiping out, and they practice this, and they practice this, and they practice this. They intentionally wipe out, and they practice how to wipe out well. So you wonder, how do these guys do what they're doing and survive and not um, uh, e- uh, evil can evil themselves into every bone bone is broken in their bodies? It's because they know how to fall. They know how to wipe out. And so Paul is saying, add to faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge, your learning is going to continue. Self-control, steadfastness, learning how to wipe out, learning how to handle those U-turns in life where you just don't know how, which way is up and which way is down. You're perplexed and confused. You will be there. This is, this is embedded in, um, in 1 Corinthians 13. Incidentally, we're a Pentecostal school. One of the, one of the verses that's used to say that the, the, uh, the gifts of the Spirit have passed on is 1 Corinthians 13, right? It says in there, the, gifts of the, the, the gift of prophecy in tongues will cease. So some people say, well, that means that, that, that those aren't needed anymore. But Paul says this. He says, when you know fully they will not cease anymore. And you just got to turn to somebody. I mean, you got a friend that doesn't believe in the, in the miracles of healing and, and the gifts of the Spirit. Just say to them, do you know fully? Do you fully have an understanding of everything that's going on in your life right now? And if they're honest, the answer will be an unequivocal no. This is the, this is the place of learning. This is the place of adapting. This is the place of theology shifting. Yeah, your theology will shift a time or two. When you're in post-knowledge, self-control, you're pushing in, you're staying on the, on the potter's wheel when you want to get off so badly, and you're learning steadfastness and perseverance. 
And he, he doesn't stop there. But I, I just want to really emphasize that there's, there's so much learning that happens post-add knowledge, post-knowledge in those two phases. And then he, he, add, he goes, so add to your, so add to, um, add to self-control, steadfastness, godliness. Which is a fairly bland word, in my opinion. Like, it has lost, it has kind of lost meaning. Because when you think of a godly person, what do you think of? I think of kind of a, you know, that, that person with a three-piece suit on Sunday morning. And they are doing all the right things, and I think they're a godly person. In fact, we kind of confuse, we, we, we might think, Peter is repeating himself here. Because isn't virtue and godliness side by side? When you think that, when you think he's kind of going backwards here because he went, I thought this for the longest time. And by the way, the best way to prepare for sermon is to memorize the text and then sit on it for a few years. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like, I feel like I'm talking this text out. I've never preached this text like this in my church before, but I've memorized it a few years ago and struggled through it. I use an app called Bible Memory to struggle through it. And you start, it starts to unpack in your mind. But I remember just kind of rabbit going through this and thinking, it's duplicitous a little bit. Like, like, Peter, you already said virtue, and now you're going godliness, and some of these words are the same. There are so many nuances to language that we, that we miss. I think you guys, you guys know that. Not only are we taking, um, I mean, we understand that the Bible was originally written in English and all that, you know. Um, and the English language is so complex, and there's so many nuances to words. So, I, so I'm thinking about this word godliness. I'm thinking, what does that mean? What does that look like? And so one of, the, one of my practices is to pull out translations beside each other. So I was, I was obviously memorized this in the ESV, and it's the same in the NIV 1984 version, which is the most sacred version out there, I think. It's important that it's the 1984 version. And, and the New King James and the American Standard. And then I got, I got to the message. Any professors? I see Mark back there. By the way, Mark is the most epic professor, I just got to say. He was here when we were back here in the day. And um, it, just, it just does my heart good to come sneak in the back here and look over, and there's Mark. And I think he was wearing the same shirt and the same glasses and everything. <laughs> Anyways, it's good to see you, Mark. Mark's, um, Mark's son just moved up to Fort St. John, so Mark was in our neck of the woods just a couple, it was a couple weeks ago or a couple months ago, a couple months, just before school started. Okay, I lost my train of thought. Um, oh, godliness. So, no, I didn't look at a Greek Bible. Because I don't read Greek. But I went to the message, which is the second best thing. No, I'm just kidding. It's not. Um, but I went, I, I just was kind of looking through all these translations. And the message, Eugene Peterson writes the message. He, he, he lists all these things. And instead of the word godly is the word reverent wonder. Is that different than godliness? Like in my mind, first thought was, holy cow, he is out to lunch. Like that, that's why you should never rely on the message. <laughs> because that's, he's got it wrong. Like he said, like how is godliness and reverent wonder tied together? And so in my mind, because I've experienced this before, I thought, he is onto something with that word for sure. So then I went to the interlinear Bible. There you go. <laughs> This, this was this morning at 7 o'clock. This, just this morning. So I'm, I'm like, interlinear Bible, check it out. It's like, yep, there's the word godliness. 
it's this Greek word, Strong's, def, Strong's definition, whatever. Click on that, go to it. And right away, the language is different than godliness. The word idea of godliness is there, but the idea of reverence and awe is tied up and bound up in that word too. Whew. This idea smoked me during the worship. I'll, I'll share it with you now. If I can get it out. This is very personal. This is an invitation I feel like God has given me personally, and I'll just throw it out. Possibly he'll take you there too. Is, uh, so Sarah and I have three grandkids. I know I look way too young for that, but you'll get over it eventually. Yeah. No, Sarah looks way too young. We walk around with our three grandkids. Our, our daughter's husband's on our staff team. And I, I think sometimes people think they're our kids. I mean, maybe that's just a fantasy on my part. I don't know. Anyways, but, um, and there's three of them. And River is 10. She's just 10 months, 10 months old. Yeah, 10. Yeah, I know. So Sarah and I, yeah, we, we were making out in the basement here. And no, I'm just kidding. And when I say making out for us, it meant kissing. Okay. Just so you know, just make it clear. French kissing, but kissing. Okay. Um, and, and River's 10 months old, and River is just, if I, if I had a picture, I just would love to show you a picture of her. She's just the cutest little baby. Like, she's just the cutest little baby. And um, Jimmy and Tana told us a story just a couple days ago. They said, River has learned how to climb stairs. And they live in a duplex. And so, out the stairs, uh, this, so they live mostly in the basement. The bedrooms are upstairs. And River has learned how to climb, climb stairs, but there's a gate at the bottom of the stairs. So she can actually hear... They, they said it's like she has Superman x-ray kind of hearing. She can hear when the latch on the gate opens. And wherever she is, she's now crawling. Wherever she is, she beelines it for the stairs as soon as she hears the latch open. And if she gets there and the latch is closed, it's absolute mayhem, full-out broken-hearted cry. But usually they don't shut it in time. And so she goes to the bottom of the stairs and she goes up. They are like, Tian and Jimmy are telling us, she goes up so quick. And then she gets to the top of the stairs, and she goes crawling as fast as she can over to, uh, over to Ember and Aria's room. Ember and Aria are like three and two. They have a bunk bed, and, and they'll go, they, she goes flying into this room, and then she goes crawling up the bunk bed stairs, and then she's up on the top of the bunk bed, and that's where she likes to go, and she gets there just like that. She's only 10 months. She's just a little, little tiny thing. And it's a long flight of stairs. Like, it's like... Brrr, brrr, into the room, brrr, up to the stairs. And I'm like, what does she do up there? She goes, they said she goes straight to the window and she just gets her little chubby little fat hand out like this and she just starts flapping the blinds on the window. <laughs> like, that's it? All that work? And in her mind at the bottom, all she wants to do is just play with the blinds. Like, it's a room with a view. She can see out way into town, but it doesn't matter. So right at the bottom, she hears a click. She hears the door latch, and she thinks, blinds. <laughs> and, she, and just everything in her is like, I want to go up there, and I want to flap the blinds. And they'll go up there, and she's leaning out over the edge, because she's got to lean out over the edge. Just a little tiny thing, two little teeth right here just barely popping up. She looks like, almost like orcish, a little bit orcish slash human. <laughs> and, and, she's, and they find her up there, and she's leaning out, flapping the blinds. 
She's not looking through the window. She's flapping the blinds. And I felt like this morning, like Jesus was saying this. He's saying, faith, supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge of self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with wonder. Reverent wonder. Again. I should have had a good cry on the, the hotel bed. So I told Sarah, I said, I could have been a mess this morning. And just as God was speaking this to me, she's like, why didn't you let it go? And I'm like, I didn't want you to think I was totally losing it or whatever. I just want to, and now I feel like I'm losing it. But I felt like Jesus was saying, Tony, after all the stuff you've walked through, I mean, and it goes on. Just last week, I'm going back on Friday early because a 12-year-old in our church had a brain aneurysm and was gone like that. This was two days after the memorial for Eleni. So it's just been like, boom. Boom, and it's steadfastness. And as a pastor, I'm just putting one foot in front of the other. I'm trying to be full of faith. I'm trying to exude hope. And I felt like he was saying, you know what, Tony? After steadfastness, you know what comes next? I'm going to take you back into wonder again. I'm going to take you back into reverent awe. Isn't that a cool thing? Godliness. ESB, you just killed that. It's a little bit more than that. It's more than just godliness and, and looking like you got it all together and looking like you, you look in the part or whatever and you're holy and whatever. Those are all good things, by the way. But there's something more going on here. You have just returned back to awe. Isn't that a crazy thing? You guys will come through school. I don't know where you're going next, but I can tell you this. After 27 years of pastoring, that there will be repeated times where you return to reverent awe. And it might be reverent awe around who God is. Jesus is outside your box. Your prayer should be consistently and constantly, Jesus, show me who you are, the real you. Not the stained glass version of who you are, but the real you, the three-dimensional, come-off-the-page you. And he will take you into places and times repeatedly where all of a sudden awe is restored. It will often be right after those times where you're just pushing through and you're persevering and all of a sudden you come back. Paul says, make every effort to go here, back into godliness, reverent awe. It could be reverent awe around your call. Your, your calling, your gifting, who you're supposed to be in the body of Christ, all of this, you go back to that again. I think that is such, such, such good news. That's, that's the adventurous life of faith. Remember, now we're three steps ahead of knowledge. And all of a sudden, new things are being opened up. And so I'm, I have this picture, of, I have this picture of river in my mind, and I'm like, I'm like, I felt like Jesus gave me this picture this morning. I'm like, I'm journaling this in my journal. I'm like, so Jesus, like, is that how you view everything I do? <laughs> I think I'm, I have such an important job here. Like, I think this is so massive. I think the weight of the world rests on my shoulders. He's like, well, Tony, to me, your whole calling in life is really just about flipping blinds. And you think it's so massive and so big. And, and if you were to die tomorrow, what would happen to the real? He's like, you're just flipping blinds. And I'm so glad you're enjoying the ride. Like, oh man, God, you're so much bigger than me. Like, and I want to be going there again. I want to be innocent. And I want to be full of wonder. When I go back on Friday morning, I'm going to land at 10 o'clock. I'm going to go straight to the viewing at 11. And the family will be there. And then we'll do a graveside. We'll drop a casket into the ground. And we'll do a funeral service. I, I just want to be seeing it all for the first time again. I've been here before. I just want to be seeing it all for the first time again. I don't ever want to become, I've been there, done that. Don't ever say that phrase. 
Don't ever think that, well, I've been around the block here. I don't need to go there again. I mean, I've seen it all. No. Paul says, hey, way down the journey, is this is going to come again. Wonder is going to come again. Reverent awe around who I am about what it means to be a Christian, follow Jesus, what the life of faith looks like. He doesn't end there, though. And just, I'll just wrap up with this. He says, now add brotherly affection and love. And I heard somebody say it just last week. It was at the GLS conference, Global Leadership Summit. I don't remember who it was. might have been Craig Grishel, one of those guys. But they said, just so you know, the most important thing that you do, and when it all comes down to it, at the end, the end game here is loving people and loving God. And maybe that's what those last two, why they're separated. Brotherly affection is clearly fellow man. Love God. Love Jesus. Be fully in love with him. Is the end of the story. And it's what your life is all about. It's about where you're going. It's learning how to love Jesus better and learning how to love people better. Can I just lead you in really quick prayer? You want me to kind of close? Okay. Let's just uh, bow our heads and close our eyes. <laughs> I was kidding. Not that You don't have to bow your head if you don't want to, but close your eyes. Okay. <clears throat> Getting all proper on you here. We do this in our church all the time, and we haven't always, but just, just giving some space to hear God speak. And I've kind of spoken some general words to all of us, but he loves to take... Um, those, he loves to come in and just speak specifically and directly to us, intimately to us, personally to, uh, to us. And so I'm going to ask him a question, and I just want you to be paying attention to what he drops into your heart. And keep in mind that the words of Jesus are spirit and they are life. He only has to say one word. It's as good as thousands of sermons and millions of worship songs. So Jesus, we're just giving you here as we close, just space to speak. And my, my question will be really simple here. We were just talking about this passage that Peter wrote and making every effort to supplement faith with virtue, with knowledge, with self-control, steadfastness. Right? Brotherly affection, with love, with godliness, wonder. And just a really, really simple question. Jesus, for me personally, I'm praying, I'm praying in stance for all of us here. For me personally, Jesus, is there one of those that you would like to highlight? One of those seven or eight things. For me personally, that you're saying, you're looking right at me, and you're saying, Tony, I want you to think about this. This supplement. Or maybe it's the meat and the potatoes at the front end. There's something you want to speak to me. Don't overthink it. If something came to your mind, just grab onto it. Okay? Maybe it was not even in that list of seven or eight things. That's okay. Now, one more question. Whatever it was that you just felt like God just dropped in your heart, maybe it was the godliness, sense of wonder. I actually feel like there's something, if I can say this, very prophetic about this gathering today on that one. Um, so a lot of you may have sent that, sensed that. It could have been any of the other ones. Just one more question. Jesus, is there something today, before this day is finished, before I put my head down on the pillow tonight and call this day history, 
is there something you want me to do actionable around that one thing? I don't just want to be a hearer. I want to be a doer. Is there something actionable you want me to do around that one thing? Now we're just going to pause. Again, don't overthink it. If something comes to mind, just go, okay, thank you, Jesus. James chapter 1 says when you ask for wisdom, he's quick to give it. And so, yeah, God, thank you for um, what you're saying and doing in us. God, I really, I just want to bless what you're doing here at Summit. Um, God, I, I remember dropping Levi off last year and um, just being absolutely amazed at the life and the joy and the authenticity of what I was sensing and experiencing. And that was just a, a small little piece of, God, what you're doing here. And, and God, I love what I see and what I'm sensing, and I speak blessing over it. And I pray, God, for all of these students gathered here and instructors and teachers alike, God, that this would be a season of, even as we're still at the front end of this year, there would be a season of wonder and awe. In fact, God, if, if I pray something, God, I pray a season of amazement and wonder. Where, where even like, I mean, you were, there was times where you were amazed, Jesus. Sometimes it was our lack of faith. Other times it was how much faith we had. But this would be a season where we're amazed. We stand back and go, I haven't seen anything like this. This is a new experience. God, I pray that over chapel services. I pray that over worship times. God, I pray that over times of instruction where we gather around your word that there would be times and seasons this year where we'd be like, Man, I've seen a lot of things, but this is new. This is new territory. And why not? God, you created this, this incredible planet we live in, and every single year new things are being discovered. Why can't it be that way with you in our walk with you? So I pray, reverent awe and wonder. Yeah, come on. Amen. Thanks for letting me share with you guys. It's been really good.